0: Good morning, South Valley Community Church. We are coming out of Easter, and I hope you had an incredible Easter. Um, the service was was great for, for so many reasons, so I hope it was encouraging and helped you focus and center on Christ on that significant Sunday. Today, we start a new series, and this series is sort of a, a sequel, and we do this every so often, where we have a series that's maybe four or five weeks long, and we get done with it, and then we say, man, we could Keep going with that. So let's come back to it six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. We did that with a series called Taste and See, where we looked at several passages in the Psalms. And then once we were done, we realized, hey, there's, there's like a hundred plus of these Psalms still left. So we can keep returning to this and do like Taste and See Part 2, Taste and See Part 3. What we're doing uh, coming out of Easter is coming back to a series we called Encounters. And so this is actually Encounters Part three. And we'll be taking a look at the story of someone called the Ethiopian eunuch. So if that doesn't grab your attention, I don't, I don't know what will, but essentially this series of of encounters was based around looking at stories where there are people who meet Jesus. They're, they're not Christians. They're not followers of Jesus. And something happens. God reaches out to them and they're radically transformed and then sent on mission to tell the good news of Jesus and we thought it'd be incredibly important coming out of Easter while we're still in this shelter in place mode to look at stories of people's lives being transformed by the risen Christ. This is what Jesus does for people and this is what Jesus can do for the world. So, this is Encounters Part 3 and it'll be going on for for several weeks and the first story we'll look at is the story of someone who's just identified solely as the Ethiopian eunuch. So let's dig in. Acts chapter eight, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Okay. So, so where are we? We are in the book of Acts, which takes place right after the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and we're discussing this guy named Philip who's one of the first followers of Jesus. Now Philip has been going around preaching the gospel and he's seen success. He's just leaving a place called Samaria where many people become Christians. And this first follower of Jesus, Philip, gets the command from an angel to go to the south, to the desert road. Now a couple couple interesting things. Right before this verse, Uh, Peter and John are their other followers of Jesus and they get told to go to Jerusalem. Now it's interesting because they get to go back to Jerusalem where they think they'll probably see even more successful ministry where they'll see God show up and do wonderful things. And then there's this guy, Philip who's being faithful and he gets told go south to the desert road. Now the context for the desert road is that your expectation would be that you're not going to see anybody. This isn't a highly populated road there's not going to be tons of traffic additionally there's a play on words going on in the text where south can also mean noon so the the author is trying to conjure up this image that Philip is being sent to a desert road where there's not going to be anybody and it's going to be the hottest point of the day which likely means there's no one traveling and so you know you kind of resonate with Philip where you know you ever had those moments where it's like oh Peter and John, they get to go back to Jerusalem where it's all good and see God do wonderful things. And I get to go back to the desert where it's going to be nothing, no movement, just me by myself. And so that's the expectation that's set up. But even in this, if we allow the story to unfold, we can see that God is doing something and he knows exactly what he's doing. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen uh, of Ethiopia. This man had gone down to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in a chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. All right, three things. We get introduced to this character, the Ethiopian eunuch. And just from this small section, we get three things about him. First, he's Ethiopian. Now, Ethiopian doesn't mean modern day Ethiopian or the region of Ethiopia. In the time of the first century, that is referring to a region that's controlled by the kingdom of the Meroe. It's more uh, geographically located in what's modern day Sudan. What's important for that is that both the Romans and the Greeks at this time considered that region of modern day Sudan, the region of the Meroe, the ends of the earth. In that direction. It's like south of Egypt, you're going into the desert. It's like that's as far as it goes south. So the Ethiopian is symbolically represented, at least in one direction, as a man from the ends of the earth. He's an African man from the ends of the earth, a Gentile. It's very important. Two, he's a wealthy man. And we know this for a number of reasons. One, he's in a chariot. Most people would have been uh, walking or on some type of animal for transportation, but to have, a, to have a chariot would be a sign of wealth. Secondly, he has the book of Isaiah, the prophet with him. I mean, we're modern people, so books are everywhere, but to have, to have a scroll of Isaiah, that costs something. Third, he's in the queen's service, the queen of Ethiopia. And the description that's given to him is sort of like a modern day equivalent to the minister of finance. And that kingdom of the Meroe would have been a wealthy kingdom. So to have a high ranking position in that kingdom meant you had some money. And all the evidence shows that. He's got the chariot, he's got the book. So he's an Ethiopian, a man from the ends of the earth, South Africa. Then he is a wealthy man. And then the third and probably the most interesting component is he's a eunuch. Now, since this is a uh, family show, not going to get into the details of that, but suffice to say, a eunuch is someone who has had uh, his male reproductive organs removed. And there was many reasons for that in the ancient world. Sometimes it was done for punishment. But in this case, most likely because he's in the queen's service, he was made to be a eunuch so that he wouldn't try and engage any romantic relationship with the queen or try to force himself upon her. And so it was sort of like this rule that if you're going to be surrounding the queen, you would become a eunuch sometimes by choice, oftentimes not by choice. Now, to be a eunuch in the ancient world was to be someone who would be familiar with rejection. Deuteronomy 23 says that a eunuch is not allowed to enter into the inner assembly of the temple. And so although this man appears to be a uh, worshiper of the God of Israel, he would never been fully accepted According to the customs of this day, he's a eunuch. He knows rejection. Although he has money, he doesn't have complete acceptance. And so, three things. He's Ethiopian, from the ends of the world going to the south. Two, he's in the queen's service, which makes him wealthy, but precisely because he's in the queen's service, he's a eunuch, which makes him sort of an outcast and on the outside but he wants to serve the God of Israel, but he's not experiencing that full acceptance. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard that the man was reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now, this is sort of like the most easy evangelism moment. Philip is, is walking on the desert road, and God says, Go up to that chariot. And he hears someone reading the prophet Isaiah, and he says, Do you want to know what that means? He gets welcomed in. It's like super easy evangelism here, not a lot of hurdles. So, one thing, Philip hears him reading. The text out loud. That may sound weird to us, but uh, in the ancient world, most of the time people read out loud. They wouldn't read inside their heads. So Philip sort of is obedient to God and he starts jogging and is jogging alongside the chariot. And he hears something, something he recognizes. It's the prophet Isaiah. He's like, do you know what you're reading, man? Can I explain this to you? And the Ethiopian eunuch is at such a place of wanting to know what the scriptures mean that he invites him in. And this is what's crazy. This is, this is incredible. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading from the book of Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch is reading from the scroll of Isaiah and he's reading the passage where it talks about a mysterious servant, a suffering servant who is somehow suffering injustice on behalf of the world. in this text is a mysterious figure. And the eunuch is, is trying to figure out who this person is. Who is this person who's going to suffer injustice? Who is this person that's going to be led like a lamb to the slaughter? And you have to understand there's a, a, a parallel of stories going on here because in the passage, the, the servant is suffering injustice. He's being rejected. He's not being accepted. This is something the eunuch knows. He knows what it's like to be rejected and pushed out among people he wants to belong to. Additionally, there's this line in Isaiah, it says, who can speak of his descendants? In other words, this mysterious servant who will suffer on behalf of the world is said to have, in some sense, no descendants. And at that point, the eunuch is going, that's that's like me. I have no descendants. I know what it's like to be humiliated and rejected and deprived of justice. And so you could see why maybe the eunuch had a special resonance in his heart with the scroll of Isaiah. Additionally, just three chapters removed from the passage that he's reading. There is actually discussion about eunuchs and foreigners. And Isaiah is this book that gives hope, hope to the people that are at the ends of the world who are far removed from Israel and even people who might be eunuchs that God himself one day will bring them into his fold. So just three chapters away from where the eunuch is reading is this Isaiah 56, three through five, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people and let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls, a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give to them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. So in Isaiah, there is hope for the eunuch. God is saying, look, even though the world may reject you, even though you might be cut off, even though you might be looked down upon, I'm going to do something that those who are faithful will be given something greater than descendants, greater than sons and daughters. There is a blessing that will outweigh even that. And so if you're the Ethiopian eunuch. You're clinging to the truths and promises of Isaiah, but you don't have it all figured out. You don't have someone to explain who is this mysterious figure, this suffering servant. And so this is what the eunuch wants to know. And so Acts eight thirty four, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is the water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? So the eunuch says to Philip, who is Isaiah talking about? I want to know who this suffering servant is. Who is this person? And Philip tells him the good news of Jesus Christ, that in Jesus, sins have been forgiven. Barriers have been brought down. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. And the promises of Isaiah are coming to fruition. You are invited in to God's kingdom. Now, this is where it gets even crazier because the eunuch is sort of like he's wanting to believe this and he's heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Philip has explained it and he's like, okay, then is there anything that permits me from being baptized? If this news is really good news, if I'm, if I'm truly accepted, if I'm not the outcast, then baptize me. Now, remember the irony here. Where are they? They're on a desert road this is the least likely place you'll find a spot to baptize someone. But on the desert road in the middle of nowhere, possibly at noonday with the heat of the sun, there appears water. And he says, if this news about Jesus Christ is true, then baptize me right here, right now. And that's exactly what happens. And he gave orders to stop the chariot then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Beautiful story about someone who is on the outside being brought in. Now a a, a couple major points coming out of this, both are relevant, but one might be incredibly relevant for us. The first one, this story demonstrates that no one is beyond his reach. No one is beyond the reach of God. I mean, We've, we've had 2000 years of Christianity to teach us that God loves everybody. And he wants to reach the outcast and the person who's rejected and not accepted. But that's not the way the world thought 2000 years ago, but right here in the first century is a story embedded in the Christian tradition that even the Ethiopian from the end of the world, the eunuch who was rejected is brought in, into the fold of God. No one is beyond his reach which is good news for the world. You haven't run too far. You haven't gone past his love or past his grace. Jesus Christ died for you. and You need to put your faith and trust in him like this man. And he will baptize you not only in water, but in the spirit and make you a new person. The second major lesson coming out of this, is that God has set up the right place, the right time and the right circumstances. And this is where I want to speak to our time. It may seem like, you know, what in the world is going on? Like, what, what can God possibly be doing here? How are people going to be ministered to? We can't even gather. How are people going to be reached? Like what in the world is happening? Now remember where we started. Philip and John They get to go back to Jerusalem, all kinds of ministry. Philip is sent to the desert road, but it's precisely in the desert that God has orchestrated the right place, the right time and the right circumstances in order that he might save a man from the ends of the world and bring him into his fold. So Philip has to be at the right place. And where was the right place? A desert road. He would not have gone there unless God directed him there the right time that he would see this chariot and that he would be faithful to jog alongside the chariot and hear that the prophet Isaiah is being read aloud. And then the right circumstance. I mean, think about this. The eunuch was reading from the book of Isaiah, the book that promises hope to someone like him. And so in the most unlikely of places, in a barren desert road there and precisely there, God provides a path. And what do you know? What's there when Philip is faithful waters for baptism. So although it might look like things are out of control, that, that what in the world can God be up to? It's precisely in those moments where you just have to be obedient. God want to do what you would have of me, help me to be faithful and obedient. And when you do that, you'd be surprised just who you might meet along a desert road and God might be preparing them for that precise moment. It just takes you to be faithful and obedient to what God has already called you to. We're going to continue in this series, looking at these stories of people who encounter Jesus They're transformed by the renewing of his spirit. And we're gonna hear these stories and and hopefully not only be encouraged, but convicted to tell of his good news. Philip had to be obedient to preach the gospel. He could have just like, I'm not gonna go down, I'm gonna go up to Jerusalem. I'm gonna go down to down south the desert road. But when we're obedient and we listen, God shows up and does miraculous things even on the desert road. Remember, as we started off our shelter in place. The moon is always round. God is good all of the time. And even if you don't see it, he's still there. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we give you thanks for this story, a story about your love. No one is beyond your reach. And so I pray for people who are watching this, that if, if they're, they haven't submitted to your Lordship, that if they haven't become followers of your son, that they would repent of their sins, take up their cross and start a walk with you. And for those of us who are Christians, a part of the church family, may we be like Philip, obedient, even when it's hard to trust you, even when it seems ridiculous to trust you, that we would be faithful and obedient and wait for your sovereign hand to move, Lord. So we thank you for using broken, fallen vessels like us. Encourage us, convict us, and empower us all for ministry. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.